Welcome to So You Think That Was Good Do You, a podcast where we take a look back at the films from your childhood and question the absurdity of their universes. My name is Evan, and I'm joined by Carl again, and I'm now panicking because once again, because I've not written down the intro, I fucked up the order, but here we are. I'm joined by Carl. Carl, how are you doing? Manic? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good, mate. Very happy we're doing this movie. No, No issues whatsoever. I'll tell you what I did do this week, just to put off doing this movie for a bit longer. I bought a copy of The Prince by Machiavelli. I'm a common boy, Cole. (laughs) That sounds like an Italian classics conductor. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know, like, whenever you listen to, or watch, say you watch QI, or you listen to a good podcast, like Behind the Bastards. Okay. And they go, this particular bad person was very Machiavellian. Oh, and yes. I, and I sit there and I go, yeah, yes, yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have no idea what that means, so I'm gonna find out. I've bought his book. Hopefully, there's only one. I've bought that one. Have you started reading it? I bought it today, so no. But I might sleep. I might sneak it in during this episode anyway. <laughs> I like that to avoid watching a movie that's <laughs> an hour and a half that you've had all week to watch. You went out. Bought one book and was like, "Yes, that's enough distraction." <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did message you saying, "I started it. I had to go for a walk." Oh, that's what, what are you making me watch? Well, let's 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 dig into that. Let's let's talk about what we watched. This was a recommended by a fan of the podcast, dear Hannah. I thank you so much for the recommendation. That means an incredible amount to us. So much. Dot dot dot. But (laughs) this was a test of all that I am as a human being. The movie suggested was Excision 2012. So much later than we usually watch. But I don't think the year this came out was the issue. Uh, We're going to get into what some of the issues may have been and definitely were. (laughs) Uh, Before before we shit on it too much, I I (laughs) I will say the ending brought me back somewhat. I don't know if it did for you, and I don't want to rush too far ahead, but it was all that saved me from throttling you, for one. I will get into what the ending was, but I'll preamble with, I enjoyed the ending, but it was far too little too late. (laughs) That is fair. One scene does not make up for what felt like 3,000 scenes before then. But yeah, it's uh, Excision 2012, starring people. This is not a well-known movie. It has like 28 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Overwhelmingly positive on there. 86% this movie gets on Rotten Tomatoes, which blows my mind. But there is this kind of dual relationship with the audience with this movie because some people really love it and then everybody else thinks what we might think. And that is that this is a hot steaming pile of vitriol it's more than a bad movie it was an assault to my very senses to my being more than once throughout watching i just wrote who is this movie for there are no sympathetic characters throughout for you to latch onto. there must be 12 socially stunted girls who also have a blood fetish who are loving i I finally feel seen But for everyone else, we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, 
I thought that very same thing. Who is this movie for? And it made me sort of look back at, at times where I've said this, said that on this podcast before. I think I said it for like the, the Rocketeer and uh, The Shadow, things like that, where it was like, felt like a poorer movie to me, a more boring movie. And I was like, I don't know who this was made for. Yeah. But now I look back on those and I think, oh, those were made for someone. It just wasn't me. Now I have something that truly was made for nobody apart from three people with a blood fetish. Well, yeah, when it comes to The Rocketeer, I know that at a certain point in my own life, I loved that film. That's why I brought it to you. So I know it's made for someone. It's made for 10-year-old Carl. And I knew straight away watching this, I am not the target audience of this movie. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not the target audience of Mean Girls, and I can tell you, great film. Great film, yeah. Which means I'm allowed to say, this is not a great film. What would 10-year-old Carl think of this movie? <laughs> I, I think this is the a sort of segment. movie that if I watched it at 10 years old, that would be like the start of a core memory that would completely change the person I became. You'd have ended up like me. This would have been your American beauty. <laughs> There'd have been two Evans on this podcast. There can't be two. We would <laughs> collapse in on each other. We would be two people... In a padded cell, thinking we were making a podcast, <laughs> which we might still be. Well, we've talked a lot about what we thought of the movie so far, so maybe we should get into the plots and not very quickly. Pauline, that's the name of the main character. Pauline, a delusional teen. I do like the rhyme. Okay, I'll, I'll stop stopping now. Pauline, a delusional teen, has aspirations of a career in medicine, which is escalated into an obsession with the flesh. She delves deeper into her fantasies to gain approval of her stern mother. Now, before you go anywhere, Carl, this plot synop is why we chose this movie. I think Hannah recommended a couple to us, and this really stood out as sounding like it was going to be a cool movie about the, the growth of a, like a normal person who turns mm. into this person obsessed with surgery and, and cutting and becoming like a sociopath over time. At least that's what it sounds like to me anyway. I think we agreed beforehand we're not really going plot point by plot point and I can go anywhere with this, right? Yes. So I was about to get into that because of our issues with this movie and because, well, I'll just say now, there is no plot. <laughs> None of what I've just said is set up in any way. We just sort of arrive there at the end of the movie. So because of that, we have to abandon our usual format and kind of talk about overarching things that we thought about this. Yeah. So no plot point by plot point stuff. We can start wherever you would like. So. Well, all I was going to say was that that plot synopsis it spoke to both of us as something that could be quite interesting and this started out as a short film made by the director who then i guess got funding to make the full thing but whereas i think you could take that story and make the bit where she finally goes off the fucking end somewhere around the middle or just after the middle he decided to keep that at the end and just insert just random scenes just she's 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 got herpes now. She's oh, a oh cotillion. About that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm spot on. There are three pivotal scenes in this that I, even though I've not seen or read anything about the short movie, a short film, I know what ones they were because they were the most compelling of the movie. And there's what I'm going to talk about now, if that's all right. Yeah. And it's the only thing I feel like actually sets up the end of the movie. It's where she picks up the dead bird from the street and it, it comes almost out of nowhere. She picks it up, she takes it back to her room and she starts operating on it. And I thought, oh, this is picking up now. It's getting interesting. If she slowly escalates from picking up a dead animal, maybe hunting down a live one, a cat or something, and she's practicing on people. And then we get that sort of big ending that we got. 
this would all make sense to me and I could kind of forgive this first half an hour that I've had to fucking sit through. But it doesn't really go anywhere. Like half the time this movie is setting up Pauline, the main character, as just like being someone who's rejecting social norms and rejecting what her mum is telling her to do. And the other half is trying to tell you she's a sociopath because she says it. Like it doesn't show you it apart from this bird scene. She says, I might be a sociopath. And then she says... I might have personality disorder to her mum. And it's telling, not showing. So it's so all over the place. Yeah, we, we get that bird scene. Yeah. And you think, yeah, this is where we start getting into the, the switch has flicked. She's now going to start going on her little ventures towards becoming a serial killer. And instead we get three or four references to the toilet being blocked and people need to start eating more fibre instead. And that drags on. And then we get the ending. There are so many oddities like that in this movie. And you've mentioned two of them already, that toilet stuff. I know some of it is meant to be related to her like obsession with blood, and that's to do with the surgery. But like there's a scene where she shows you her bloody tampon, which I know is just it's meant to shock you, but it, it it feels I read this in a review somewhere. It's like this film is the idea of someone who's never seen a horror film, what they think is a horror film. And that rings very true to me because it just kind of delivers to you these vulgar scenes, but are vulgar because socially they're not okay but they're not scary they're just it's just gross stuff it's like gross out humor and as well this is a tangent completely amazon said this was a comedy and i can kind of see that there was kind of meant to be a dark comedy in this but it's it's never laughable it hurts to watch but i don't feel like there was a single scene that was meant to make you laugh in this do you think there was no i think i didn't see it on amazon i saw on imdb it said it was a horror comedy drama Okay, and yet, it's all over the place, this. <laughs> yeah, but it always just felt like the horror was never very scary. It was just a bit grim and an attempt to be artsy, almost. Those scenes that were in her mind. Oh, yes, um, yeah. The comedy's never very funny, and all, I guess, the dramatic scenes, especially the ones that take place at the dinner table, they just reminded me of The Room in some way, that the level of acting that was happening Spot in them. On. Because I was watching it thinking, this is how I ended up on a rabbit hole we were discussing earlier. Because so I was watching it going, I've only ever seen this level of acting in two places. One, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Two, Perfect movie. Porn. Every time porn. And then I Google, like, who's in this? Why is the acting so bad? And that's when I discovered that the mum is played by apparently a very famous, or famous former pornographic movie star continuing on from that i feel like she gives the biggest effort in this movie like she i'm not saying it's good but i i think she really cared about what she was doing and everybody else just kind of showed up like the dad uh, i have his name here i recognized him his name is roger bart he's in like uh, you would never have watched it but he's in desperate housewives he's like in lots of serial tv shows stepford wives as well a needless character contributes absolutely nothing to the film other than being like to show that he's a bit of a simp to the wife but he doesn't add anything i enjoyed at the end where she put him to sleep and tied him up so she could do the surgery we'll get to that but it contributes nothing to the film and there's like a, a pattern of this there's other actors in the film who are really well known malcolm mcdowell is the maths teacher he was in a clockwork orange you'd have seen him in so much stuff lots of people in this you've seen but don't know the name of uh ray wise as well he played the principal i couldn't even find the movie i recognized him from but i've seen him in loads of things but a lot of people i've seen do good stuff elsewhere but this just felt like kind of a payday for a lot of people so that was a long tangent yeah he did better than me i saw porn star and just got distracted by that yeah when i, I found out that yeah well i was worried i would step on your toes of fucked facts 
It was a possible one, but I found something. Yeah, apparently she was a porn star in the 80s. Yeah, 15 she started. She and, yeah, forged and then her the, birth certificate. The FBI got a tip off that she was 15 when she started. And every movie but the last one she ever made is now illegal to distribute. And guess who owned the rights to the last one, Evan? Oh. She did. So she sold it and made a shit ton. Fuck. That is an entrepreneur right there. <laughs> that is, yeah. Apparently Fuck. that money went towards acting lessons, but I didn't see it. <laughs> but yeah, it was... A, and the girl who plays Pauline, turns out um, she was the one who... I don't know if you remember when Russia invaded Ukraine. <gasps> Is this your fucked fact? It is. Oh, I will leave it to later then, unless you want to do it now. We could do fucked fact now. Uh, well, Carl, if you want to take the fucked fact, please. I have it written down here if you want it uh, verbatim. You might as well go for it. I don't have anything written down. So. Okay. In February 2002, following the Russian invasion of Ukraine, McCord released a video of herself reading a poem on Twitter, postulating that if she had loved Vladimir Putin as a mother... <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps an invasion of the Ukraine could have been avoided. <laughs> the video was met with derision by observers and critics who likened it to Gal Gadot's cover of Imagine, which was similarly criticised for its perceived tone-deaf message. But in an interview with BuzzFeed News, McCord defended the video, claiming that she could have easily become a dictator under different circumstances. <laughs> and it's not that fucked. But it's so funny that she doubled down. If she hadn't doubled down, I'd just like, that's a silly thing she did. Lots of people did that during the pandemic. I could see how a famous person could have done that. But the fact she defended it and no one else did, they're like, I have fair news, that that was stupid of me to do. I could have become a Yeah, everyone could have become a dictator under different... In the multiverse, we're all a dictator somewhere. That's not an argument. She's got, like, that fix-him complex. If I was just with Vladimir Putin, he wouldn't be doing all this stuff. These two men had had father figures in their lives. Their podcast wouldn't be so fucked. (laughs) They wouldn't be in that padded cell thinking they were making a podcast right now. Every day in the hall of that mental asylum, they just hear, (laughs) Hello and welcome! I like that you chose a level for that voice there and then quickly spiralled out of it. I saw you, that inflection of a direction there, but then you were like, oh, no. Oh, don't do that voice. I know what that voice is. Let's pull that down a gear. Yeah. (laughs) I think I was channeling um, Stephen Lynch in the Special Olympics song for a second. Yes, yes. realised where I'd taken it. (laughs) Oh, God, don't do that, Carl. What are you doing? So this movie, Evan, I I described it as what if... The girl from Twilight existed in a world where there were no vampires. That is... This is who she would become. This is the story. So we've not talked about her much yet, but let's... She's like the main focus, obviously, of this movie and also of our criticisms. And it's not the actor's fault. No, I I think she did perfectly fine with what she was given. Yeah, I think she did what she was told. I I don't have any issue with the character of Pauline. I have an issue with the snippets of her life were introduced to they just seem so unnecessary it's just waffle shitloads of waffle she gets interesting it ends everything we see of her is something vulgar something weird like they even use prosthetics not prosthetics makeup to like make her appear grotesque in a way to make you feel like she is really an outlier in society yeah we're meant to be seeing i guess all of the elements that sort of push her in that direction. But yeah, they don't really, 
work in those steps. So I think what we get mainly is a mix of dinner with mum, dad and sister. Because they're all kind of recurring scenes or set settings. Then we get meeting with the priest who's acting as her psychologist. We get her prayers and we get the cool kids from school, I guess you would call them. But I think my issue with it is it's hard to feel sympathetic towards her when it never really feels like she's being bullied. It feels like she goes over to them and just stirs the pot for no reason. Like, bullies calling someone a weirdo and a freak when they're being an absolute fucking weirdo and a freak. It's hard for you to go, oh, it's their fault she got pushed in the direction she did. Because I, as a viewer, I'm sat there going, she's making me uncomfortable. So when the, quote, bully is going, you're making us uncomfortable, I'm going, well, yeah. <laughs> and I, it, If you make a movie and the bullies feel more sympathetic than the main character, you've got an issue. And let's touch on those bullies, because they are just kind of the... Well, they're exactly what you'd expect a bully to be in these movies. Like, they're pretty oh, blonde... Oh, yeah, they're, they're generic uh, American high school cool kids. Archetype of a bully. They're the, they're the, the T-Birds and the uh, Pink Ladies. Sure, ex- yeah. exactly. And... When you, as soon as you see them, they're like, oh, they're like the, the bullying types. I'm sure they have some previous relationship. But there's no interaction between them at all. Everything they say to Pauline is re- retaliation for something Pauline has done. Pauline injects herself into their relationship, shags this girl's boyfriend, and then it's not until way after this that the, the girl like starts treating her like well, shit properly, like in well, this the is what it, yeah. changing room. This is what I mean by it feels like we're shown the wrong things to see the journey. In that, yeah, maybe this is Pauline getting revenge for something, but we're sort of shown... We don't know what. Yeah, yeah we don't, we're not shown that. We're just shown that she shows up, is a dick, starts stirring the pot, and then sleeps with the girl's boyfriend. And this all just seems to be because they make her a bit uncomfortable. Whilst I'm <laughs> sat there going, I'd also be uncomfortable around the starey girl who looks like she washes her hair in chip fat. <laughs> Yeah, well, we need to touch on the way she looks in this movie because it's all purposeful. It's not like we're picking on someone who looks a certain way. She's been made to look like this cave woman esque in this. She looks like she's just fucking discovered fire. She's pushing her jaw forward the whole time. Her head is leaning down <laughs> over her shoulders. Like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Every other scene, she has spots. The scenes in between, she has perfect complexion. I cannot tell what they want me to think about her. She's not being sympathetic if she's making no effort to fit in. And we're supposed, we're told that all this is the mum's fault. That's what the plot synopsis says. That's what the relationship between the mum and the daughter also says. But the mum isn't that controlling. She's kind of a bitch. But she's not, like, abusing her daughter. She's just, like, a, a waspy mum who is trying to tell her daughter what to do a lot of the time because she knows what's best for her and it might not be best for her. The only person the mum is kind of abusive to is the dad. And I don't give a shit about that because he's a simpy fuck in this movie. Gets on my tits. <laughs> um, and the, there is so... Sorry, I've just thought of this. It has nothing to do with what I've just remembered. But the herpes scene... Why was the focus of this movie for like 20 minutes about how her dad saved her life when she was a girl? She was drowning. Her dad pulled her out, touched lips with her to do mouth to mouth. And then the movie is about how annoyed the daughter and mum is for the dad giving her herpes. And it has nothing to do with anything else. It doesn't contribute for how Pauline becomes a fucking psychopath. No. Like I say, this was a, it was a short film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like maybe everything in that short film was everything that was actually needed for the story. Because it's an hour and 21 minutes, this, and yet so much of it feels like just shoved in shite, if we're honest. 
feel the need to have it end where it originally ended rather than going this is a cool start point to or a cool middle point to a story about a girl who's gone completely off the rails serial killer mental is a real detriment to the story i would say i agree and i have something that that relates to what we've been talking about here so for one this movie was filmed in 28 days which is an incredibly short amount of time for a movie, even one as short as this, even one that was based on a short film. I, I don't know how long it took to write. There was four years between the short film and the the actual movie coming out, but it didn't feel like a lot of time was spent on writing it. But my issue with the movie was, and I, I took the plot points as I was going just for reference, everything just feels like it was and then. Pauline does this, and then Pauline does this, and then Pauline does this. And it triggered a memory yeah. of something the writers of South Park said. Uh, therefore, but yes. therefore, yeah. If you have a story where each scene is connected by and then, you're completely fucked. Every scene should be connected by therefore or but. This happens, therefore this happens, or this happens, but this happens. That's an interesting therefore, story. This and this was it was Pauline goes to school and then Pauline smashes that girl's head into a locker and then Pauline is expelled and then Pauline's mum isn't happy. It, it was agonising. Just There was never any resolution to anything until we get to the end. So maybe we talk about this now. So all this movie is just half of it setting up that she's a sociopath, half of it setting up that this is actually the mum's fault. None of it well, really yeah, it, it seems to be almost some sort of commentary on the effects of strict christianity and the effects that can have on raising a person almost she is a weirdly conflicted person her mum's hyper strict hyper religious got to be this perfect christian girl but it feels like i'm having to drag meaning out of it rather than that it's really shown i think there are too many meanings like you know when somebody writes something and they you know the main thing other people ask is what are you trying to say yeah and if this was just religion in a household in a strict household is a detriment to a child's upbringing this film could have been something good because it would have been about something but this had several things that <laughs> he the director the writer was trying to say it was that it was like the dangers of, of not recognizing mental health it was abuse is passed down from the grandmother to the mother to the daughter that never-ending cycle yeah. of destruction within the family it was too many things pick one but this this religious thing it seems to crop up in three different recurring segments of mum's I won't say hyper-religious nut but she's a very strict Christian and then she's sat with the priest like three or two three four times within the movie and he's meant to be counseling her but they just couldn't be asked to give him any lines that were worthwhile because we also then privy to her prayers we get and seen them and this conflict she has inside her where i don't believe in god but i pray every night but i'm going to do all these things that i desire to do even though my religion tells me i shouldn't do them there's that interesting conflict in there yeah but i feel like the priest is a completely wasted idea this human representation of god on earth is doing fuck all he just sits there across from her and has a twitchy mustache <laughs> and, and, and that's it yeah this girl I see exactly what the character was meant to be. She is rejecting imposed norms from all these areas. It's just, she is fighting on all fronts, which leads to a confusing movie. If she's just fighting on the religious front and she's dealing with, with that, and that is our whole movie, is she is a person who has desires and needs and these carnal sort of monkey brain things. Yeah. And she's like, how does that sit with God, even though I'm religious? Very interesting movie. And when she's yeah. praying and she's saying to God, look, here are the contradictions in your own text. So how could I be wrong if you've done this as well? 
Interesting stuff. But then she's also throwing tantrums at a family dinner because she doesn't like how her mum has spoken to her. I, I don't know how I'm relating to her. She's just yeah, too all to over see the place. All the elements that lead to her going down the path she does. It was just but everything. it almost feels like <laughs> the thing that's pushing her down that path more than any of those things, because those things are quite weak, is just her. She's the one trying to go, I'm mental. Yeah. It doesn't feel like those things are pushing her down there. They're more just, if anything speed bumps on her road to being a fucking nut and the her of it all is what i found most interesting about this movie i loved the surgical stuff how she was interested in that and that desire to be in the medical field you know leads to her wanting to explore cutting stuff up the brutalization of things if they just stuck with that through the whole movie really interesting but again, if there isn't a religious scene, it's all of a sudden where she's gone to the library and, and gotten every medical book possible. And then all of a sudden they're at school and it's a school drama. There's no one path in this and it confused me so much. And I know there's going to be someone out there who's like, you're missing it all. You're not zoomed out enough. Here's the big intertwined picture. But I, I assure you, there isn't. This is just a, a cavalcade of things fucking running at each other. And when they all smash into each other in the middle, this is the movie. So much has happened that you almost feel like you haven't gotten it because so much it's like, oh, I'm missing something. It, it isn't. It's just a bunch of shit somebody wrote down. It's, it's driven me insane. I don't know how long I've been talking for. <laughs> It's it's very much just, it feels like reading someone's first draft and going, I can see what you're trying to do, but maybe don't do this, maybe try a bit of this, I don't know. Like what you were saying earlier about maybe seeing her dissecting a number of different creatures. I love that scene. It was throughout. awesome. It was interesting, yeah, but that animal dies. Maybe later on she dissects something and it somehow lives and you go oh that's why she thinks she can rip her sister's lungs out yeah. <laughs> and to save her life because she accidentally lucked her way into saving an animal that was fucked i just well i do feel for one if the fbi were to track just every purchase of dissection kits by under 18s they would know who serial killers who the next serial killers will be for the next 30 years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because all surgical websites have that bit where you put your age in first. <laughs> Are you over 18? Yes. <laughs> I do find it mental that in America they just have kids cutting up animals. <laughs> or they do in the movies, I guess. There was an interesting character in her somewhere. Like, there's a few scenes where I, I found like she was very compelling. Like, when she's having sex with Adam, that guy who cheated on his girlfriend with Pauline, and she pushes his head down to eat her out because she knows she's on her period and she's got like this obsession with blood. I don't think, I don't, sorry, I just don't, I don't feel like we've probably touched on for people listening that in between these scenes, she's, we see all her fantasies where she's all dolled up and she's like soaking in baths of blood or she's obsessed sticking her hands in dead people and playing with their insides. And yeah, th this th desire to do surgery isn't just linked to being a surgeon. There's a sexual element to it. She is busting nuts most nights yeah she waking wakes up. up to the yeah she wakes oh, up yeah she loves that shit <laughs> so when she does that i found that really interesting even though it's quite a difficult scene to watch because even though they're 18 these are obsessively children so it's quite uncomfortable and i get that's part of the movie it's, it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable this is one of the scenes i liked for the right reasons and then when she does that, it's like, I, like, that's part of the person she's becoming. But then like, it's a long time between that and the bird scene. 
and they should have been closer together to watch this girl slowly go insane. But the issue is she's just as insane or as sane as she needs to be for each scene. There's no oh, yeah. fluent progress of the character. It's just whatever the plot point was, that is the character she needs to be in this plot point without thinking about her progression. No, yeah, it doesn't feel even remotely linear at no, all. No, no, So there's a scene where she overhears her mum talking about how much of a fucking freak she is to the point where she's almost unlovable. And she's in her room hearing this, crying. Yeah, and that was, the point, that was the point where I was like, oh, okay, so maybe we're meant to be seeing the sympathetic side of her now. Fast forward 30 seconds. She's outside picking up a dead bird from the street. Fast forward another minute. She's performing surgery on it, and then she lifts it up and starts licking the blood off her hands. And then it's just, okay, so that's gone. Any way of making her sympathy, making you go, oh, she could have been saved at some point. Because unless that point was last night and now she's suddenly a fucking serial killer, as if it happens because someone said something mean about you once. She was awful to everyone, but then someone said she's kind of awful to everyone, and then that was what pushed her over the edge. I feel like that's true for the last scene as well. And uh, something important we haven't mentioned that sets it up. This is a B-plot of the movie, which does not kick in until halfway through. Her sister has some sort of lung-based disease and now needs to be on a transplant list. That's the link to Pauline having this obsession. And it leads to Pauline eventually making the decision to perform an ad hoc uh, lung transplant from a random girl who, who lives across the way, who Pauline has done no tests on whether or not she is a match for organ donation. She doesn't know these two girls' blood types. She's just taken out the lungs of this girl across the street popping them in her sister, didn't know what to do with the bad lungs or with the now dead girl, so she just started cutting her up, baby, and practicing every cut she knew how. Oh yeah, this whole surgery, I want to be a surgeon thing is just an excuse for her to act out more sexual fantasies than anything. So yeah, we're told that her sister has cystic fibrosis. That's it. Which... (laughs) Philemon lung-based disease. (laughs) Does come to be a big factor towards the end, because for a long time, all I was thinking of was... Going back to it, the lady in the room who just walks in and goes, I definitely have cancer. (laughs) (laughs) We've got horror and we've got comedy. We need drama. (laughs) That's so spot on. (laughs) It's confirmed. (laughs) Oh my God, I forgot about that. That's The Room for anyone who doesn't know. A a fucking excellent movie. I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. And again, I feel like the sister plays a very different role in the second part of the movie as she does in the first. At the beginning, she's just a comparison for Pauline. So we see how fucking annoying and fucked up and what a handful Pauline is. And then how much more the mum loves the sister because she's like this perfect do-goody girl. But then they kind of switch that up. And then at the end, she is like hours from death because she needs to be on the transplant list. And Pauline makes this snap decision to be like, I'm going to fix you. Oh, I don't think she, I, I don't think she was hours from death. I think she had months to years, but Pauline. <laughs> i got to do something she, now. She just needed to be on the list for a transplant eventually. Yeah. But Pauline was like, I've, I've got to do something about this because. I've read about transplants. Because I, I, I want to really. She has this idea yeah. that she's a sociopathic genius, but she refuses to do any work in school because she doesn't need to apparently know maths to be a doctor, according to her and she kind of just looks at the pictures in a book a couple of times of a set of lungs and goes okay yeah i get this now and her idea of doing surgery is no requirement for oxygen or anything her sister's just fucking choking on her own blood 
until she dies. There's a moment after she removes the lung and a bunch of stuff just falls to the floor. What I imagine was half a lung. <laughs> and then she just carries on putting it in her system. There's no worry about for what just fell out. If, so, if that was a, meant to be a comedic moment, that did make me laugh. But it just felt like it's because this has only got a small budget and they can only clean this set once. So you better get it in one take. She also shaves her head. Like, and I don't know if that's so she's You've like... You've got to be sterile, mate. Sterile, yes. That's what I thought. Okay. It's... Look, it's a very good scene. It's a nice, I wouldn't say twist, but it it just wasn't enough for me. Like this was such a confusing journey of different scenes being thrown at me that even though I really enjoyed the end, I hated the very last bit we got where the mum and the daughter were just screaming whilst hugging each other. Like, again, that felt very artsy. Yeah. Like, you could have just ended with her holding the lungs or something. So, yeah, they wanted to make a horror comedy drama art house movie was the issue. It's so many... Pick a and fucking lane! It's just because I think this was a Sundance release, right? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, and you can... Oh, it's just all over it. Just dripping with, we want people to stand up and clap at the award ceremony for at least 10 minutes. So we're just seeing these art housey scenes that are going on in her head where, as we said, they're her wet dreams to blood and surgery. In a way, I enjoyed those scenes because they were stylized. Like, I, I knew what connection they had to her as a character, but they felt very removed from this film. I think if we were seeing an art housey idea of her performing failed surgeries on people yeah. mixed with what is actually happening, which is just her being a fucking serial killer mentalist, slashing people up in a dirty garage with a shaved head. So she, she, because in her fantasies, she's made up, she's got perfect hair, perfect makeup, all these beautiful people are stroking on her as she's doing this. If she were actually performing these acts on people and we were seeing what she sees and what's actually happening, there's a movie in there. The fetishization of violence. There you go. That's your fucking message. (laughs) That's interesting, but just (laughs) her... Dreaming this stuff and spaffing herself mental every night and that eventually culminates in one murder. Feels like a long wait for it. Oh, I guess two murders, but you know what I mean. I think this is what I mean by the ending felt like it should be in the middle of the movie and then we see her just being this serial killer who the thinks spiral. she's a surgeon and she like she's got this yeah art housey idea of what's going on and what's actually happening is Yeah, she didn't disgusting. kill her sister in the middle. She killed someone else's like practice and she thinks she's getting better like as preparation for yeah. doing the surgery on her sister. I'm on a great way what to a build film. tension. What a yeah. great film. <laughs> There was there, even as I was watching it, I knew so, there was so, something. So you in think this. that was good, do you? Our version, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to toot my own horn here. I think I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to brag about my own murdery wet dream here, but my idea's good. It took us. Oh God, how long have we been recording? Forty-eight minutes to come up with a better idea than a movie that took four. A movie based on a movie that had already come out four years to write. <laughs> well. This is a good place, Carl, and in honour of Sam returning soon, a good place to see what other people thought of this movie, unless you have anything else to say. I, th- I think we've nailed it. I think we've found the good movie in this movie. So, uh, yeah, let's let's take a look at what other people thought of this. I've got some bloody bad reviews. Half a star from Breek Glitch. Everyone giving this a five-star review or anything above the most embarrassing shit ever made needs to be signed up for that British system where they need a license to watch TV and then they need their license revoked. 
I like that so, that's what they think a TV license is. Fantastic. Because <laughs> it kind of is. Kind of. It's, it's more just a way to... Yeah, scam us uh, out of money. A little bit. But yeah, I like that she thinks we have to go sit a couple of tests. Have you done your TV taken? theory test? <laughs> you got to go sit down in front of a TV for your practical. Change channel a couple of times. Name five characters in Frasier. That's <laughs> England, mate. Five characters in EastEnders. Big Mo. Pauline. Li- little Mo. Pauline. Pauline's in there. <laughs> Another half a star here from Phobius X. This film was complete and utter artsy-fartsy bullshit. After watching it, I felt dirty. Not because of the nature of the film, but because I had wasted 81 minutes of my life and I was left feeling used and empty. The only redeeming part of this movie is the makeup artist's ability to make Anna Lynn McCord, that's her name, look like a grease ball. (laughs) And for that, I commend you, Robert Report. You are the only person in this film that succeeded. It's already nice to see that someone else has hit this on is, the same This is why I always hate when Sam does his bad reviews, because I listen to them and go, oh yeah, that's what we said, but we took over an hour to say it. We really are a bunch of fucking waffle artists. <laughs> Fuck, okay, I was trying to have a nice time, Cole. Can we end on a fucking nice note? <laughs> and finally, half a star from Cecilia. Just go take a shower like everyone else, you crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought it'd be good to get a comparison because there's a fair few people who think this movie is excellent. So I I picked out a five-star review and looked for one that looked genuine. This is from Logan Kenny, five stars. (sighs) Prepare for this. Seismic in its devastation. Horror crafted through the terrors that people inflict upon each other. The effect of crippling maternal abuse. The lack of help. Utterly fucking tragic. Left me speechless with tears in my eyes by the end. Would write more, but I can't write now. Too much pain. <laughs> I agree with the utterly fucking tragic. <laughs> what I would say is, I think there's a certain sort of person. Yes, you who, can tell from the pros yeah, of this that, review. Yeah, who will say that they loved what is quite a shite movie, just so they can then go, oh, you, you just don't get it. That's exactly it. Yeah. This is, sorry Hannah, an objectively bad movie. <laughs> Not our idea. Our idea is good. <laughs> and I could ask you here, Carl, whether or not you thought that was good, do you? And I'm going to, but just a one-word answer. I'm not saying it so you asked me the question. Carl, so you think that was good, do you? Well, I think she was a very Machiavellian. <laughs> <bit less. laughs> Full circle, oh, baby. Wow. Love it. I love it. And that's uh, how you no. do a fucking character arc. <laughs> Richard Bates Jr., Fuck you. That's the director, by the way. No, of course not, Colin. Same here. This fucking sucked. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. Please. Yeah, we still we still love you, listening. Hannah. Please recommend yeah. more movies. We'll watch that other one you recommended next Halloween. Thank you so much for joining me, Cole. Thank you all for listening. Please leave us a five-star review. Even after this, I don't even know how this episode's going to sound back. Follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at So You Think Pod. Fuck, I have no idea what we're doing next week. Oh, I do know what we'll be next week. We recorded an episode with Block Blunders not too long ago. We watched Rat Race. That will be coming out. Week off, week off, week no, off. No, no, week what? ahead. <laughs> oh. Until then, oh, God, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> oh. Bye. Pauline. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.